Hello there. This is CSW, creator of Incarnation Red. If you enjoy Incarnation Red and want to help keep it going, support the show on Patreon via the link listed in the episode notes down below. In return, you'll receive a variety of perks ranging from a monthly Q&A slash horror gaming livestream to a chance of having a mini-episode made based off of you and your fears released on the main RSS feed for everyone to hear. Additionally, all patrons receive access to an exclusive patron-only Discord server where you can chat with fans and myself, watch live streams of pre-release episode editing, and join in on regular horror movie nights. I rely on your support to keep the show going, so any amount, no matter how small, will help me bring you more scary stories more often. Link is in the episode notes down below. Additionally, if you are a fan of audio drama podcasts in general and want early access releases plus bonus content from Incarnation Red, absolutely sign up for Apollo Plus, a creator-owned platform where every subscriber helps audio fiction creators for just $10 a month. You can think of Apollo Plus almost as the Netflix of audio dramas, offering exclusive content, ad-free and early access releases, behind-the-scenes content, supercuts, and a whole, whole lot more, all by supporting the creators you already know and love. With Apollo Plus, 70% of the revenue goes directly to us creators and provides all of us, both creator and listener, with a place to enjoy the shows we love, such as Afflicted, 13, and of course Incarnation Red, and a whole, whole lot more. And of course, Hemophobia, my upcoming horror podcast, will be there too, so join Apollo Plus through the Apollo Podcasts app or by going to apollopods.com slash plus, that's P-L-U-S. Incarnation Red is a horror anthology podcast and thus contains material not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You don't want to go in there all by yourself, do you? eight years ago, eight years ago that my wife and I adopted her, eight years ago that we made the decision to finally, finally raise another child after our first one. And for eight years now, I've stood, stood as her defender, loving her, learning her, and protecting her in equal proportions. As parents, it's our duty to do so our duty to ensure her safety and keep it, and the reward we receive is more than enough. Just getting to watch her grow and grow alongside her ourselves, it's what a parent lives for. But it's only going to happen if there's still a child to watch grow, and that's your responsibility. There are no excuses. Yes, I'd rather be too vigilant than too careless. That's why every time, every single time, I hear her calling for me, I come. Come right to her, immediately. It's easy enough to do these days, with summer break upon us and my job being a work-from-home position. And anyway, that's what I'm supposed to do as a father, right? Always be there for her, even when... Well, 
even when maybe I misheard her. Or maybe she's just making unrelated sounds that sound like her calling for me, but I still come. Always. And even if... Well, it... What is it, sweetheart? Hi, Daddy. Did you need me, honey? No, I'm okay. Right. Right, okay. Just like that. She must not have actually needed me, but I still went. That's what you do. It just is. But is it always what you do? I mean, maybe... Maybe you're like me. Hearing her voice all the time and heading out to her just to find that she's fine. Doesn't need me. Doesn't even seem to remember calling for me. And not two or three times a day. More like two or three times an hour. What do you do then? And it's happening over and over again for the last week now. I hear her calling for me, go to check on her like a parent should, all to find that nothing is amiss at all. I can't tell if this is some slip in my hearing or a childish little prank she's pulling on me, and I wouldn't mind either of those things if I just knew which one it was. I have no idea at all, and my wife has even less of one. <laughs> Multiple times over the last few nights, she tells me that when I'm out and she's home alone with our daughter, there are no issues, that she's always so calm, so independent. She never hears the child's cries, never, and what am I supposed to do with that? I mean, it... And I know what I'll find. But I look at my office door, and I know she could be just on the other side, suffering, in need, and I can't just let her keep calling for me. Hi, Dad. Are you all right, sweet pea? Yeah, I'm fine. Nothing, nothing's the matter? You're okay? Yeah. All right. Of, of course. Just checking. And multiple times I've sat her down and asked her, asked her honestly and without anger, just to tell me why. But her answer is always the same. The simple fact that she isn't calling for me, at least not at the times when I seem to think she is, and her answer, it's pure honesty. The placid and innocent candor of a child who doesn't even know what deception is. I can see it inside her. I know my daughter, and I would know if she were lying. I would know. It's just a couple of hours before I finish up my work for the day and head out to greet my child, my wife, my family. At night it's even worse. Daddy. Daddy. 
hardly even close to sleep before I hear it. Down the hallway. Across the house. Behind enough walls that I question whether I should even be hearing it this clearly. Meanwhile, my wife's still sound asleep. She never seems to wake up when our daughter calls. But then... She is calling for me, isn't she? I rise from bed. Run my fingers across my eyes. Step out into the hallway. Turn to my right, toward her bedroom. And in the darkness, with so little defined in my still-adjusting eyes, I see the white outline of her door. And sure enough, the cries are coming from there, detached, almost at a remove. Like the door itself was crying for me. I walk down the hallway. I make it to her door. And open it. And she's asleep, face down in bed, not moving, not stirring, not even seeming to notice that the door has opened, not making a single sound. I walk closer to her. I stare at the back of her head, at the absence of features, all obscured by her little brown hair. And I watch. I watch her. I think I'll just stay here for the night. Make sure she's okay. I sit on the small chair in her room, let my chin rest on my open palm, keep watching her. <sighs> Better safe than sorry. It's a few more days of this, every night for almost a week straight sitting in a practically wakeful sleep. But today, mercifully, my wife has taken her to spend the day with her grandparents. They won't be back until late afternoon, once I'm off work and have a little time to get some rest. Rest. But for now, I'm working. Keeping up a steady workflow in my home office. On something like three cups of coffee, more than necessary after the way this last week has gone. I just need to get through this day, so I can get some sleep. Need to stay focused, efficient, now that I don't have the interruption of her constantly calling me, and then I need to go ch Is that... No, no, it's... was nothing. I get back to work, keep on typing to finish up this report by the end of the day, or better yet, early. That way I can get myself another hour or two of sleep. I'm just hearing things. I'm so tired. I rub my face. Take a sip of coffee. 
and bring myself back to my senses, back to my work, back into focus. You would think I would work faster given the incentive of rest, rest I desperately, desperately need. And for what? I've sat in her bedroom for the last six nights, just sat there and watched her sleep while nothing happens at all. I just know the second I get back in my bed I'll hear her voice and, and what if she really needs me? All these girl-who-cried-wolf moments could very well, very well, hide an actual, serious, life-threatening situation. And when it does, it'll sound the exact same as one of these phantom calls, but what... What life-threatening situation am I worried about? I... think of it all the time, but... I can never truly... give it a name. So what... What is it? What am I so afraid of? I wait. Just wait for... for it to stop. Take a sip of coffee. Blink so many times. But it won't stop. And before I'm even aware of it, or before I can even question it, I'm standing up, leaving my office, going toward her voice. I step out into the kitchen, look around, but I can hear it's coming from elsewhere, from downstairs in the basement. I turn around, head toward the basement door, open it. It's down there, I can tell. The stairs descend into the dark. We're still fixing up the basement and haven't gotten around to putting in lights yet. I turn, figure I should go fetch the flashlight. But what if that makes me too late? She needs me, needs me badly, I can hear it. And there's nobody, nobody else in the house but me. It has to be me. I have to help her. I'm her father. It's what I'm supposed to do. I walk down the stair steps, into the dark, reach the basement floor. I call out her name, tell her daddy's here, daddy's here, daddy's here, but she doesn't stop calling for me, keeps on crying out my name. I close my eyes, listen for her voice, set out in that direction. I wander around in the dark with my hands out, 
reaching for her, repeating my consolations, and just as I'm reaching her, I seem to have lost her again. Her voice is suddenly quieter, more distant. I try again, seek out where her voice is coming from, head toward her, and I... Yes, yeah, I've, I've, I've found her. I know where she is. But then I... Don't. Clearly, I don't. She's... Gone again. Gone halfway across the room. I pursue again. And again. And again. So many times that I... Can't quite tell how long it's been. Ten minutes. Three hours. Six days. It could be any amount of time, and a decidedly equivalent measure of time later, I find myself falling to one knee. I can't see anything, but I can feel my vision fading. I sit on the floor, hold my head in my hands, let my body lapse. so sorry. I'm so sorry. The flashlight beams into my face. My wife's voice is loud, concerned. And so is my daughter's. As always. After finding me, collapsed on the floor, dead asleep for something like five hours, it's clear to me that my wife is... concerned. Asking me over and over why I was so tired. Asking what could possibly have robbed me of so much sleep. And in this spirit, after I make a quick call to my boss, sheepishly explaining what happened, and then a just-as-quick dinner with my family, my wife hurries me off to bed early says I need the rest, clearly. I initially resist, knowing full well how temporary it will be, and knowing exactly what will interrupt it, but she insists. I still ask. I still have to ask what if she needs me. My wife doesn't have much in the way of a satisfying answer to that, but she still gets me into bed. And I can't say I mind too much.
sweaty. God, for saying my limbs are shaking. I can't see straight. Her voice still ringing in my ears, but just... Just in my ears. I listen closely. The house is silent. She's not calling for me. It was a horrible, horrible dream. I can't even bring it back into the frame of my memory, and not because I've forgotten it. Oh, no. I just can't bear to remember it again. God, my... My baby girl, she... She... I mean, she... She's safe, right? It was just a dream. If she needed me, well... There's no doubt she'd be calling for me. I mean, she's never hesitated before. What possible reason could there be for her needing me but not calling? I suppose there's only... One reason. I stand out of bed. Wipe the sweat of my face with widespread fingers. Shake myself. Step forward. Go out into the hallway. Look at the white door, how suddenly silent it is. How tight-lipped, secretive, concealing from me that which I need to see. That which I need to hear. I walk toward it. Hold its knob in a still slickened hand and turn the knob, open the door. And she's fine. <sighs> she's perfectly fine. Face up in bed, breathing peacefully. Very perfectly still. But her room is not. <laughs> Her stuffed animals, ripped open, concisely, incised from neck to abdomen, fluff pouring out in generous dissection. Her Barbie dolls, previously sat on a shelf, now with their legs twisted viciously around backwards and left sprawled all over the floor. The small chair at her desk is turned over, the pictures are knocked off the wall, and her window, the glass of her window is cracked cracked and audibly hissing with air, like something was trying to get out, or get in. I waste no time in going directly to her, stepping over her twisted dolls and eviscerated stuffed animals to reach her bedside, placing my hand gently on her to feel her pulse, her breath, and breathe a sigh of relief myself. Thank God. Thank God, but it... It's only relieving to an extent, because it 
doesn't explain any of this. It doesn't explain the crack in the window, the vivisected toys. It doesn't explain who did all of this, why she did it if it was her, who it was if not her, and it doesn't explain, it doesn't even come close to explaining why this room precisely matches what I saw in my nightmare. At least by certain illusion certain undeniable similarities in the fluff pouring out of those animals. But she's okay. She's okay and alive and sleeping just fine, so I can't just wake her up. She's sleeping so soundly and I I can't afford to have her just as sleepless as me. But I can't lose her either. I can't afford to lose her just l So, I collect and hide all of her stuffed animals. I fix the legs of her dolls and put them back on the shelf. I walk over to her desk, lift the chair back up into position, and sit. Sit. And watch her. It's what you do. As a parent, it's your responsibility to protect your child from anything and everything. Even things that you can't see. And if you slip up and your child pays for it, that is your fault. All your fault. And if you're a good parent, then you learn from your mistake. From that point on, you never, never let a child out of your sight again. You be the father this child needs. You make up for what you did. And you protect her. Even if it takes all night. The sun begins to crawl up through the cracked window. I can hear my wife rising, getting ready for work, leaving. I don't bother telling her goodbye, asking her about this, or saying anything at all to her. What is she going to tell me anyway? She's been kept clean, isolated from this whole situation that is my reality. No, 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 no. What I need is to talk to my daughter. Need to get to the bottom of this. Need to figure out what the hell is going on here. To figure out what might have happened to her, but somehow, miraculously, didn't. And as the sunlight begins to choke its way through the glass, she wakes. Good morning, Daddy. Good morning, sweetheart. How did you sleep? I slept really good. Oh, really? Yeah. I I had a dream about you, me, and Mommy. And we were at the swimming pool, and it was snowing, though. And That's I... great, sweetheart. Hey, can I ask you a question? Okay, Daddy. Good. Okay, so... You see, sweetheart, do, do, do you see the, the window right there? Yes. Good, good. And you see... Do you see the the crack right there in it? Yes. 
great. So do you happen to, um, do you know where that crack came from? No, Daddy, I don't. You don't? No. Okay. Well, do you see how all the pictures, all the, the, all the pictures that were on your wall are on the ground now? Yes. Right. So, uh, do you know what happened to them? Hmm? Why they're on the floor? No, Daddy, I'm sorry. I don't know. I see. So you don't have any idea why either of those things are... Why they are? Am I in trouble, Daddy? No! No, 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 sweetheart, no, 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 no. No, Daddy's not mad at all. Daddy's not mad. You're not in trouble. Why Why would you be in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> what, what reason would there be for you to, to be in trouble? No, no, there's, there's no reason you should be in trouble, right? I... I... I don't know. I don't think... I... Daddy, are you sure I'm not in trouble? I blink. I see her face swimming in my fading vision. I... I promise, Daddy, I didn't do anything bad at all. I watch her as she speaks, her eyes seeming to fill with tears, but... her mouth seeming to... I slept all night. I didn't wake up or do anything. I promise. To smile at me. I promise I'm telling the truth, Daddy. I would tell you if I had done something bad. I stand up and look at her face. The sadness of tears mingling with the smile in her teeth. Please don't get mad at me, Daddy. I promise I didn't break anything. Please believe me. And I don't know. Daddy, are you feeling okay? I walk out of the room, walk swiftly out into the kitchen, into my home office, close the door behind me, collapse into the chair. I run my fingernails against my scalp and kick aimlessly at the air. What is happening to me? Staring at my daughter and hardly being able to recognize her? Pressing her for things she doesn't know any more than I do, about to come loose at the seams, getting closer each time she insists that nothing happened to her last night, that she hasn't been crying out for my attention, that she doesn't need me to come check on her, and that upsets me? That angers me? As if I'm... angry at her for... for not dying... Dying like, like the first child. But that was the whole idea. We waited. We grieved in our own time. We made it past all of that so we could learn to love again. Could learn to value what we had. Learn from my mistake my foolishness, from my failure, 
so we could raise a child again and not have the entire meaning of our lives, the life-defining gift that is parenthood, be snuffed out on that day. She was our second chance. She was my second chance. If I can't take care of her, if I can't protect her, then what am I? There it is again. Her calls, her need, and my inevitable role as her guardian. I rise from my office chair, walk to and find that the cries are coming from the basement. It could just be another false cry. It could just be my hearing starting to go. But you never know, do you? And isn't that the truth of it? You never know. I open the basement door. And I take the first few stair steps down. Daddy? I turn around. She's standing right in front of me. In the kitchen. Outside the basement door. What are you doing, Daddy? But... If she's here, then... Then who... different ways I play the tapes. It said my name. Incarnation Red is created, written, narrated, and edited by CSW. The opening theme was written and performed by Annika Hansen. All music and sound effects used in this podcast are created in-house from scratch. Special thanks to Annika Hansen for contributing voice acting work to this particular episode. For more information and regular updates, follow me on Twitter at CSW underscore horror, or visit my website CSWHorror.com, or like the show's Facebook page, Incarnation Red, as always, spelled R-E-A-D. For behind-the-scenes looks and other scary content, you can follow me on TikTok, or you can follow me on Instagram at Incarnation Red. Thank you for listening.